Hallelujah. 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 Can we give our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, a hand of praise and worship? Isn't he awesome? Isn't he glorious? What a mighty God we serve. This is the day the Lord has made, and we rejoice, and we are glad in it. And what a joy and honor it is to be back here at Northridge. I consider this kind of a second home, and it's a blessing to be back. I thank God for the leadership and for the incredible vision of what God is doing uh, on all the campuses and regionally uh, with this great ministry. So once again, let's just give Jesus praise. He's so worthy. Amen. I want to I dive right into our text today, and, uh, and I just want to remind you all, you know, they kind of print these for a reason, um, and it's not just as a fan to, to get the smoke. I was in the front, and uh, man, that fog machine ain't no joke. Uh, uh, but, but also in here, there's an opportunity to take notes, and I encourage those of you, even at Brighton and other campuses, but would you uh, maybe write down, jot down something that God might specifically speak to you so that during the week you can go back and refer to it. I think it's so um, unfortunate sometimes that we come and we get great word on Sunday and God speaks to us, but then throughout the week we kind of forget it. So please take a note of this and be mindful of maybe some specific things. Uh, 1 Kings chapter 17, 1 Kings 17 is where we're going to be uh, in Scripture today, beginning at verse 1. 1 Kings 17, verse 1, it says, Now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishba in Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, Leave here, turn eastward, and hide in the Kareth Ravine east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook, and I have directed the ravens to supply you with food there. So he did what the Lord had told him. He went to the Kareth Ravine east of the Jordan and stayed there. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him. Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath. And when he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, Would you bring me a little water in a jar so that I may have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called, And bring me, please, a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said. But first make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me. And then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. The jar of flour will not be used up. The jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. She went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by 
Elijah. I want you to turn to the person sitting next to you and help me announce the subject of the message today. And again, many of you antisocial people, this is just the worst part of the service, but get over it, all right? Turn to somebody near you and help announce the subject of the message if you don't mind. Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor. All right, some of y'all still didn't do it. You have to like turn either way and just shout out to somebody in your vicinity, neighbor, did you know that God is our source? Amen. Great job. God, our source. Every one of us in the room stands in need of something. All of us at some point in life find ourselves in areas of deficiency, areas of lack, areas of need. Some of us find ourselves in a relational valley, a relational point of emptiness, and we're wishing that that void of relationship could be filled. Some of us find ourselves in a financial uh, difficult strait, a time of difficult financial uh, situation, and so you're wishing that supply would come and that resource would come financially. Some of us find ourselves in a spiritual valley. And once you were so vibrantly connected to God, I woke up early in the morning to spend time with him, but time has ticked on, and for whatever reason, you find yourself a little spiritually empty, and you're in need of spiritual revival. Every one of us have needs. Some of us have needs greater than others, but most of us don't understand that sometimes the things that we think are supplying our needs are really not those things. Did you know that even though you have a job and your job is giving you a check, to God be the glory for that, but did you know that your job is not your source? Even though you're in a relationship and it's wonderful and it's vibrant and it's, it's healthy and it's good, did you know that your spouse, did you know that your children, did you know that your loved one really is not your source of love ultimately? Many of us don't realize that the places and the spaces that we're in are merely vehicles which God uses to bring supply. They are not our source, but the God behind them is. This scripture unwraps for us a little bit more of that and helps us to see a little bit more clearly about how God is our source. I want to speak from three particular points today, kind of going through the text. Uh, the first six verse, verses talk about a, a supernatural direction. Uh, the first six verses uh, of our text today talk about a supernatural direction. But then verse 7 talks about a sudden disappointment that occurred. And then finally, the remainder of our verses 8 through 16 talked about a sustained deliverance. So three things, supernatural direction, a sudden disappointment, and finally, a sustained deliverance. Let's look at verse 1 again back in 1 Kings chapter 17. We see Elisha having a conversation with Ahab, the king of Israel. Listen, you all, one of the things that Israel continued to do was find themselves in these rhythms of obedience and disobedience. As they obeyed God, they were blessed. As they obeyed God, God's favor would be upon them. But as they disobeyed God, God would have to, in some kind of way, bring judgment. Sometimes that judgment looked like captivity. Other times that judgment found its form in other ways. In this particular instance, God uh, gives the word through his prophet that because of Israel's disobedience, he is going to cause a drought. He's going to not allow there to be any rain, uh, night or day, uh, until the word of the Lord changes that. 
So now Elisha shares this with uh, Ahab and says, hey, listen, I want to let you know that there's not going to be any rain uh, the next few years except at the word of the Lord. But then in verse uh, 2, it says, The Lord uh, spoke to Elijah and said, Leave here, turn eastward, and hide in the Kareth Ravine east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook, and I have directed, I love that, I've directed the ravens to supply you with food there. So even though there's going to be a drought, even though there's not going to be any uh, water and any sustenance in the land, God speaks to his servant and says, I want you to go eastward to the Kareth Ravine, and when you get there, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to sustain you by the brook. You'll get water from the brook, but I've also directed ravens to feed you. Now, you all, that may not mean a lot uh, just from a cursory look at the scripture, but ravens are uh, scavenger birds. Ravens are selfish birds. Uh, ravens don't get meat and decide who, who they're going to share meat with. Ravens don't do that, you all. Ravens are selfish birds. Some of y'all might be ravens. Selfish and all of that. Bottom line, it's not the nature of a raven to give. It's not the nature of a raven once they take meat or take something to then give it or share it. But the Bible says that God told Elijah, when you get to this ravine, when you get to this area, I'm going to direct some ravens to sustain you. What a mighty God we serve, that he can change the nature of a selfish uh a scavenger bird to that of a giving kind bird. Because when God is involved in a situation, things that seem impossible with man become possible with God. He said to Elijah, I want you to turn, go to the ravine, and I'm going to take care of you there. So he goes, he obeys the Lord. And I love this. Look, look what it says in the next verse. This is one of my favorite verses in all the Bible. The Bible says, uh, the Lord told him to go. Uh, look at what verse 5 says. So he did what the Lord told him. You know, if it were us, there would not be a 1 Kings chapter 18. There would not be any other verses of the Bible because we would need a confirmation from God that this is really what he wanted. Because you're like, wait a minute, you want me to turn eastward and go by a brook and some ravens? are going to take care of me, I need to know that this is God. I need a confirmation. And some of us in the room, we've heard God speak, but we've asked for another confirmation and another confirmation and 25,000 confirmations. Some of y'all have had five trillion and eight confirmations. But Elijah only needed one word from God to obey. How many of us, God has spoken to us, God has impressed something upon us, God has uh, quietly spoken to us about something, we knew it was his voice, but we did not respond. Could it be that we have not seen God's sustenance? We have not seen the blessing of God. We've not seen the favor of God, not because God doesn't want to bless us, but we second-guessed his process. He said, turn eastward and go to this Kareth Ravine. You'll drink from the brook, and I've directed ravens to sustain you. He gets there. He obeys God. The Bible says that the look at that, look at verse 6. The ravens brought him bread and the meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. I mean, this is amazing. These, these ravens brought him happy meals in the morning, 
and Happy Meals in the evening. I mean, this guy had bread and meat and drink every single day. God was supernaturally sustaining him. And what a mighty God we have, don't we? That he sustains us in the midst of all kinds of things happening in the world around us. God takes care of us. You may not have what you want. You may not have all the things that you desire. But guess what? God has still been good to you. So many of us are waiting for the next blessing, waiting for the next opportunity waiting for the next door to open to be grateful. But you know what? If God never blesses you again, if God never does anything else for you, he's already done enough for you to give him glory and praise for the rest of your life. Hadn't he been good to you? Now, if he ain't been good, don't say nothing. But if he's been real good to you, would you just give him a, a Thanksgiving offering? God, you've been good to us. You've been good to us. You've been really good to us. Elijah obeys God, goes to the Kerith Ravine. The Bible says that God has directed these ravens to sustain him. They bring him food in the morning, food in the evening, drinking from the brook. He sustained. This supernatural direction has led him to a place of provision. But look at this sudden disappointment in verse 7. Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Obviously, when rain is not falling, uh, the, the waterways cannot be sustained. So watch this now. Watch this. The very place that God led Elijah to be sustained, God also allowed that place to no longer be able to sustain him. Isn't it amazing that God can lead us into something that at one point and in one season was such a blessing, and then all of a sudden it seems suddenly, without warning, it's cut off. And there are many people in the room, and there are many that are watching, who have been in situations where God has blessed you, and God has sovereignly supplied for you, and supernaturally blessed you, but then suddenly something happened. There was a disappointment, unexpected, unwarranted, and now you find yourself in the midst of a situation where you don't know what to do. This place that was sustaining Elijah is no longer sustaining him. The brook dried up. And there are many of us that have metaphorical brooks that have dried up. Maybe a relationship that at one point sustained you and now divorce or separation or you've broken up and now that brook has dried up suddenly. Maybe it was a job and you were being uh, blessed by the income and the opportunity to give your gifts in that place, but suddenly you got the pink slip and you were terminated, you were fired from that job, the brook dried up. For whatever the reason, some of us have been in situations where suddenly the place of supply has ended. And that's not a good feeling. So it's, 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 it's overwhelming sometimes when you don't really know what am I going to do next. And in a room like this, there are people that are here that are in some very dark places. As a matter of fact, if the person sitting next to you even had an idea of what you were going through at this moment, they would pray for you. Because for some of us, it's unbelievable the stress, the pressure, the depression, the I don't know what to do, overwhelmedness that sometimes happens when the brooks of life dry up. Well, this is what happened to Elijah. The brook dried up. The place that sustained him dried up. Suddenly, there was this disappointment. But you all, on the other side of every disappointment, God will also bring deliverance. So the Bible says, um, I love this, uh, sometime later, the brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. Verse 8, then the word of the Lord came to him. Let me just stop right there. Every time I'm in a dry place, God always gives me a word. 
Every time I'm in a very dark place, God always gives me a word. Let me tell you something. It's no accident that you're here today. You might have thought that it was your own doing, and I just got up, and I decided to go to church today. The Bible says that the steps of a righteous man, the steps of a righteous woman are ordered in the Lord. It's no accident that you're here in this very moment at this time. Why? Because I believe that God wants to give you a word. In the midst of your dry situation, in the midst of your disappointment, in the midst of your brook drying up, there is a word that comes from God. You know what I love about Elijah? Even though he's in a dark place, even though he's in an empty place, God still speaks to him. I thank God that he speaks to me. Even though I'm in a tough place, even though I'm in a difficult time of life, God always speaks to me. And one word from God can change things forever. Is there anybody here that loves God's word? Is there anybody that loves God's word? I love it. I find life, I find strength, I find hope, I find help in it. So God speaks to him and gives him a word. The word of the Lord came to him and said, Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. Watch this, same, same choice of words, right? For I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. Now, you all, this is just as crazy as the first suggestion. I'm gonna, I've directed ravens a bunch of, you know, scavenger birds that are going to sustain you. But now when that dries up, go to Zarephath, go to Zidon, which is a Gentile region. And when you get there, I have directed a widow to sustain you. So you move to ravens to widow. Now, in those days, you are a widow uh, in the Jewish culture who had lost her husband, uh, oftentimes immediately went into poverty. She would depend usually on her firstborn son to be the one that would take care of her financially. And if that son was not able to do that, oftentimes uh, this widow woman became a beggar, became destitute, really, and, and lot all intents and purposes, became homeless. So now God says to Elijah, get up. And go to another place, and when you get there, I'm going to have a widow sustain you. If God told some of us to do some things, we would just, again, need a confirmation. Did you say widow, or did you say something else? You couldn't mean a widow to sustain me. I will never forget when God called me to Detroit, Michigan. You know that got to be Jesus. I was in Dallas, Texas in undergraduate school, and I was in prayer in my uh, dormitory. We had, I had turned my dormitory student lounge into my prayer room, and I would pray every day. I would just been called to ministry, just started uh, kind of this journey of ministry in the 80s, and there I was in my dorms lounge praying to God. And you all, there's only a few times I've, I've strongly heard uh, and the impression of God's voice leading, and I heard very specifically God say to me, you're you're going to Detroit, Michigan, and you're going to start a church, Citadel of Faith. I didn't even know what a citadel was. I'm telling you, I had to look it up. I didn't even know what the word meant, and I sure had no idea about what Detroit was. I had no idea of anything about Detroit. When I, when I got to Detroit and they started talking about the big three, I thought they were spiritual. I said, wow, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy... I mean, I'm serious. I, I did not know. I did not know. And, um... While everybody else was trying to leave Detroit, I said, did you mean Denver? <laughs> did you mean Dubai? I mean, you meant Detroit? 
Listen, you all, when God speaks to us, sometimes it does not make natural sense. But because I obeyed God's voice, and in 2003, my wife and my daughter and I left the comfort of our home in Chicago, came to a city where we knew not a soul, because of our act of obedience, thousands upon thousands of people have come to know Christ. We are living in an amazing community of faith in Detroit, Michigan. To God be the glory that and I heard and I obeyed. And how many of us, how many of us have heard God's voice but second-guessed it? I did not know if anybody was going to be at my church. Listen, y'all, I did not even know if I was going to have a church. God said, go and start a church. Man, I mean, I can't preach like the black preachers preach, and I can't preach like the white preachers preach. So I didn't know who was going to come. I wasn't black enough to be black, and I wasn't so wasn't white enough to be, you know. <laughs> but when you obey God, and when you do what God prompts and leads you to do, on the other side of your act of obedience will always be a blessing. And I dare you, I implore you, I beg you, if God has spoken to you as insensible as it seems, as fantastical as it seems, as, as out of the ordinary as it seems, if God said it, he will do it, and he will supply every single need you have to get it done. Amen. Yes, he will. Yes, he will. So the Bible says he, uh, I love this, verse 10, so he went to Zarephath. When he gets there, when he gets to the town gate, verse 10, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called, and bring me, please, a piece of bread. And you all, when we read the Bible, we read the Bible uh, sometimes without, like, inserting ourselves. I mean, I, I kind of almost uh, kind of transport myself back in time and, and kind of become an eavesdropper and watch the scene. When Elijah came out of obedience to God's call to go to Zarephath, he walks inside of the gate of the city. There's a woman gathering sticks. He doesn't really know her. She doesn't know him. As a matter of fact, if you read the text, there's no formal introduction. The first thing he says actually is, hey, lady, give me something to drink. She, watch this now, looks beyond the pain of her situation, looks beyond what she needs to do, and out of being just hospitable, decides to go and get him some water. She could do that. That was within the scope of her ability. Even though she did not know him, even though she was going through a very difficult time, we'll find out in a few seconds here in the text, the Bible says she went to do what she could do to get him some water. And as she was going, he says, and also give me a piece of bread. Now, you all, I'm going to just pause here because I think it's an important thing to note about this woman. There's some amazing characteristics that this woman has. Number one, she's in the midst of a difficult time, but she still chooses to be a blessing even though she's broken. She chooses to bless even though she's broken. Do you know when most people are broken, we want to bring everybody in the whole world into our brokenness? 
Do you know when you're having drama, you want to bring everybody else into your drama? When you have a pity party, you send Evites. You send invitations. I mean, you, you want everybody in on your pity party. When things are going bad with you you, 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 you have an attitude, and you let that attitude go to everybody else. How you doing? Why are you asking me how I'm doing? Some of you all, some of us, right, our facial expressions will show, don't bother me today. I'm not trying to, I, you, might, you might hear something you don't want to hear. Not this woman. In the midst of her brokenness, in the midst of her hurt, in the midst of her pain, she goes to get him some water. And as she's going, doing what she can do, he asks her to do what she can't do. Bring me some bread. Bring me something to eat. Look at what verse 12 says. And look at these words, the choice of the words. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. Listen to her language. It's a language of lack. It's a language of insufficiencies. I don't have any bread. I only have a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I don't have what you ask for. Not only don't I have what you ask for, but I only have a little bit. And many of us, because we view our lives and we view our situation from our perspective, it's always just a little. I don't have enough. I, I don't have what it takes. I, I don't have the sufficiency to do that. I don't have the education for that. I don't have the training for that. I don't have enough money. Money for that. I don't have, I don't have, I don't have. She goes on and says, I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. You all, this is a somber statement. She's saying, what I was doing when you came is I was gathering sticks so I could go home and, 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 and kindle a fire and, and make a piece of bread for me and my son that the both of us will eat it and then we'll just die. And you all, there are many people in the room, those that are, bright, that are watching, and you're in similar situations, maybe not physical death, but maybe emotional death, maybe spiritual, maybe relational death, maybe just giving up on life. I'm just going to do what I need to do and then just die. Because life is not worth it. There's nothing more I can do. I'm tired. I've given all I can. I don't see anything changing. It's done. It's a wrap. It's over. But look at the next words, you all. This is pretty interesting to me. Elijah said, verse 13, Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Now, look up this way. Don't be afraid. You know, did you, if I was her, I would ask, did you hear what I just said to you? I just told you that I'm getting ready to make a meal so me and my son can drop dead. And you tell me, fear not. Don't be afraid. And can I tell you something? For some of you, when you see preachers or pastors or people standing on platforms and telling you that everything is going to be all right, in your mind, you're like, how dare you? How dare you trivialize my situation? How dare you minimize the pain of my situation and circumstance? How can you tell me to not be afraid? Everything that I'm looking at, every circumstance is telling me to fear. Why are you telling me to not be afraid? 
It wasn't that Elijah had no compassion. It's not that any preacher or pastor doesn't have compassion about your problem. But here it is. Maybe there's something Elijah knew about this woman's situation that she did not know about her situation. And maybe, just maybe, there's something that the men and women of God who bring the word to you know about your future that you don't know about your future. Can I tell you a little secret? I read the end of the story, and you win. I cheated, I cheated, I cheated. I looked to the end of the book, and in the end of the book, you win. Listen, y'all, I told y'all this before. I used to watch Batman as a kid. The old Batman, the da 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 that, that Batman. Not the new Dark Knight Batman, but the da 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 him. Every week, every week, without fail, every week, every day, Batman was going to die. Every episode. Batman was going to die. He was either in an hourglass and the sand was coming up to his nose. <laughs> Remember that? There was a shark that was attaching itself to his foot. He was on a conveyor belt and headed to the saw. And I remember running in the kitchen, Mama! Mama! I'm serious. My mama's making green. She said, I said, Mama, Batman about to die. Oh, what am I going to do? She said, she just calmly continued to make the green. She said, baby, I got a secret. Batman is not going to die. I said, mama, how you know? You ain't even watching the show. You don't know. He's on the belt, mama. He's on the belt. And, that, and they about to cut him in half. It's going to be two Batmans, but not. She calmly said, what's the name of the show? I said, Batman. She said, exactly. If Batman dies, baby, what's going to be the show's name? She said, I promise you, go back in there and watch. Batman is going to reach into his utility belt. And I don't know what he's going to pull out, but he's going to pull out something. And whatever he pulls out, Batman ain't going to die. I said, are you sure? She said, just go in there and do it. I went, I watched, and I, as sure as you're born, he found a way to wiggle to his utility belt and spray a special saw freezing. <laughs> he had everything in that utility belt because he had a shark repellent spray for the other one. Sprayed it on the blade. The blade broke in two. He got free. I said, Mama, Batman is free. She said, guess what? Tomorrow he's going to be free too. I learned this. You're in the middle of your saw. You're in the middle of your situation. But what I know is at the end of it, you are going to win. Why? Greater is God in you than the devil. Greater is God in you than the devil in the world. Hold your head up. Square your shoulders. If God be for you, who can be against you? Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. You win. Tell somebody next to you, you win. Tell somebody next to you, you win. You win. Tell them, tell them. Tell somebody next to you, you win. You win. So he says, don't be afraid. 
Now listen, y'all, in the one minute and 39 seconds that I have left. I'm serious, I love white people in their clocks. I do, I just love them. <laughs> uh, all right, here it is. Look what he says, you all. This is so interesting. He says, don't be afraid. What? He says, go home and do as you have said. What does she say? I'm getting ready to go home, make a, make a meal, and die. He says, go home and do as you have said. In other words, go home, make a meal, and die. Okay, put, could you put the words on the screen? They don't believe me. Put the, yeah, yeah. Eliza said to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said. What did she say? I'm getting ready to go home, make a last supper, and me and my son are going to die. So go and do what you're planning to do. But, but before you do that, on your way to killing yourself, on your way to dying, but first, make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me. Then, make something for yourself and your son. So, why are you on the way with your pity party? Why are you on your way? Remember the little Peanuts character that had the little cloud on him? Why are you on your way to being depressed? Don't, don't bother me. I don't want to be happy. I don't want to be happy. Harvey, I'm not going to laugh. While you're on your way to being depressed, the prophet says, bring me a piece of cake first. But then he qualifies and saying, this is not, these are not my words, for this is the word of the Lord. Verse 14, the God of Israel says, the jar of flour will not be used up, the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. He said, this is not my word, this is God's word. Go and take care of God's business. And when you take care of God's business, God will take care of your business. Seek ye first. Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness and everything else that you need will be added unto you. The Bible says this woman does what Eliza did earlier. So she went away and did as Eliza told her. Watch this. So there was food every day for Elijah for the woman and her family. Watch this. For the jar of flour was not used up. The jug of oil did not run dry. In keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. At the end of this, this woman's lack turned into God's provision. This woman's inability to sustain herself turned into God's sustenance for many, 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 many days. Because of her act of obedience, God transformed the trajectory not only of her life, but of her bloodline and of her family. And I came to Northridge to say this one thing today, that in the midst of your dark place, in the midst of your sudden disappointment, in the midst of your wondering, where is God? God is on the other side of your obedience. God is on the other side of a changed perspective about your life. I came to let you know you are already blessed. Why am I blessed? Because the word of God says you're blessed. Look not at what you see, but look at what he said. Well, what did he say, preacher? I'm glad you asked. My God shall supply 
all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. What did he say? I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging for bread. What did he say? If God be for me, who can be against me? And he will make all grace abound to you that you will have all things in all sufficiency. You have been blessed to be a blessing. You have received to give. So in Jesus' name, hold your head up. Stop worrying about the future. If God can take care of the sparrows and of some flowers. You're more than a pigeon to God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. So I want to pray a prayer as I get ready to head out of here and just pray that you today would not be overwhelmed at the fact that what you thought was your source that's not your source. Your job was not your source. God was at work allowing your job to bless you in the season that it has. But God is your source. Your relationship's not your source. God is your source. And if a door shuts, that means another one's opening. If something is no longer working the way it should, it means that there's something better on the other side. But it's up to you to stop having pity parties and thinking that God is not sovereign. He is on the throne. We sing it early, seated in majesty. That means that he is able to do in your life greater than you could have ever imagined. But it all has to do with whether or not you know that God is your source. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Holy God, nobody like you. We are humbled beyond words at how you have spoken to us today from your word. There are people in very dark places today. There are people in some very disappointing seasons where the brook is dried up. But Father, would you let them know that their confidence is not in the brook? It's not in the raven. You may choose a brook one day, but you might choose a widow the next. You might choose a job. You might choose an entrepreneurial idea. It doesn't matter the means and the methods that you use. We realize that you are our source. Remind us of that and let us sit and rest in that truth. It says about an eyes are closed. Maybe you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ. What a joy it is that you came to investigate God and figure a little bit more about him. It's very simple to follow Christ. It means surrendering. It means acknowledging, Jesus, you're my Savior. I'm not. You are. And I submit to you. And I ask God that you lead me. And that simple prayer, that simple act of surrender, you begin the journey with Christ. And our prayer for you today, sir, my prayer for you today, ma'am, is that you would have the courage, young man, young lady, to cross that line of faith and say, yes, I believe. Now, God, would you bless this church to do supernatural things for your glory as they lean not into what their own hands can do, but what your anointing and hands on their hands can do. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Can we give God a hand of praise? Hallelujah. Come on, can we give him a real hand of praise? Isn't he awesome? Hallelujah. How many of y'all feel encouraged a little bit? Amen. All right, listen. 
Before we head out, let me just say to all of you that are here, uh, especially those of you that are visitors and maybe have made a decision for Christ, right inside of your little card here, there's a connect card that you can just fill out, tear off, tell us that you accepted Christ today. Maybe there's a prayer request or some other need that you have. It's all here. Drop it at any of the receptacles on your way out. Somebody will get right back to you to find out what your needs are. Once again, you all remember that God is your source. Love you all. Have a blessed, blessed week.